everybody, Angela Bowen here, the host of Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. How's everyone doing today? I'm doing good. The sun's out like it seems to be when I'm doing a podcast in the morning. And uh, yeah, we had a good weekend so far. Jeremy got a new car yesterday. It's pretty and blue. We're gonna take a nice little drive, test it out. I suppose eventually I'll probably have to get behind the wheel and learn how to drive it as well in case Jeremy has to borrow my car. <laughs> um, yeah, an update on the Doll Bones book. Um, I'm kind of set it aside for now. Um, the book is honestly, it's okay, but I'm not really feeling it an attachment to the the characters and the story just feels like it's kind of lagging because the characters right now are on a journey and it just and the book is not that big but it's just my interest is kind of like um dwindling i will eventually finish the book because i want to know how it ends but for right now i've kind of moved on a little bit one book that I picked up from the library, and it's funny because it's like whenever I pick up a book from the library, no matter how many books I, I have here at home that I should be reading, it's like the library book takes preference and somehow ends up being so amazing. <clears throat> um, this book that I have here is a short book. It's called I Kill the Mockingbird by Paul Akampora, I um I'm sure I just mispronounced that, but um, it's a good book so far. I like the characters. I like the story. So I'll read the back of it. It says, "We fight for the books. Our goal to make people excited about reading To Kill a Mockingbird. Our somewhat questionable methods to make the book disappear because wanting what you can't have is the American way, right?" What happens, depending on who you ask, a ukulele concert, a cure for cancer, flying caskets, Santa Claus with an axe, big league home runs, a million conspiracy theories, and a nationwide epidemic of vanishing novels. We really meant for the whole thing to stay small or small-ish, or at least manageable. The World Wide Web had different ideas, but we regret nothing. We just didn't expect it to get so big. Turns out love and books and a bus pass and the internet are a vi volatile combination. So that was the back of the book cover. Now I'm going to read the synopsis courtesy of IMDb. When Lucy, Elena, and Michael receive their summer reading list, they are excited to see To Kill a Mockingbird included. Well, actually, to be honest, Lucy is really the only one that is excited. I mean, Elena, her friend, Lucy's friend, uh, the main character is Lena, but we do get Elena and Michael as her friends in here as well. 
Um, excuse me. But not everyone in their class shares the same enthusiasm. So they hatch a plot to get the entire town talking about the well-known Harper Lee classic. They plan controversial ways to get people to read the book, including reshelving copies of the book in bookstores so that people think they are missing and start a web starting a website committed to destroying the mockingbird their efforts are successful when all of the hullabaloo starts to direct more people to the book but soon their exploits start to spin out of control and they unwittingly start a mini revolution in the name of books i love characters that like to read that is my i love it i love when i can relate to a character like that and lucy's mom actually is recovering she just got the all clear sign that the cancer she had is is gone so her mom is kind of recouping at home after that um also in the beginning of the book um they have a favorite teacher i believe mr nowak who passes away and i believe to Kill a Mockingbird was one of his favorite books that he had had um, on the summer reading list. They have another teacher that has um, a summer reading list as well. And Lucy's friend Elena, her parents sadly were killed in a car accident, but she lives with her uncle Mort, who runs a used bookstore, which is really cool. I mean, who wouldn't want to spend all their time in a bookstore? If it was owned by a family member. I mean, just to hang out and just read and stuff like that. Oh. And um, Michael is Lucy and Elena's friend as well. Um, he is actually, even though he's 14, is like over, he's over 15. Or he's over 6 feet tall. And he um, plays baseball. And I guess he's having issues with due to his height and everything. Like, he's kind of... Uh, been pushed out of like the little league circuit and kind of like moved up to play with like the high school boys because the kids are going to be going into high school in the fall. And Micah really honestly, I don't, he's not a lover of To Kill a Mockingbird. I mean, he doesn't really like it. But there's also this dynamic of being the kids are 14, they're developing crushes. So Elena's like, hey, Lucy, I think you like Michael and this and that, and you should go for it, or I'm going to go for it. So there's that dynamic there, which haven't really touched on it too, too much. But um, Lucy, uh, her friend Elena, also has a physical disability. She wears a brace on her leg because of the car crash that killed her parents, injured her so um it also deals with the you know physical disabilities it deals with cancer um and just i'm not that far into it but just these characters alone feel more alive to me because there's depth to them versus doll bones where it just feels like we're only getting one piece of information about each character and that is that character and it's just I feel more attached to these characters in I Kill the Mockingbird than I do to the ones in doll bones and like I said I will finish doll bones but I'm just kind of putting it on the back burner for right now I mean like I said I only paid a quarter for it so and when I do finish it the book is going back to the used section of the library so yeah 
And Holly Black, I um read some of her books, and I think they're okay, but maybe she's just not the author for me. There's nothing against her or anything. It's just, uh, and I'm sure she, you know, writes well and everything like that. This is, Yoldal Bones is a middle grade book. So, um, and there's, again, nothing wrong with that or the author. It's just the book really just isn't pulling me in. But, um, yeah, today I'm going to be talking about an episode of Silver Spoons. Because this is a Silver Spoons podcast. Alright, the episode I'm talking about today is Season 4, episode... Season 4, I'm sorry. No, we haven't gotten there yet. Um, Season 3, episode 14, entitled Special Friend. This episode aired on January 13th, 1985. In this episode, Rick becomes a peer counselor and tries to help a student whose attitude is worse than his grades. This episode's got a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb at a 16 ratings. This episode was directed by Jack Shea, writers David W. Duclin, the creator, Ron Levitt, Michael G. Moy, teleplay Joe Gordon, story Jim Evering, story Dorothy Van, creator Martin Cohen, Howard Leeds, also the creator, as well as Ben Starr. Let's see if Dorothy Van actually wrote, oh my goodness, she wrote for Punky Brewster, which isn't surprising. Um, two episodes. The Trouble with Grandfather and Special Friends. So she was on this episode, she wrote this episode, and then the one I just covered last week. What episodes? Uh, Miss Adorable from Season 1 and Tap Your Troubles Away from Season 2. There's another writer here, let's see. Mm. Jim Evering. Did he do any Punky Brewster? Uh, he did seven episodes. Let's see. Also, he wrote on Miss Adorable from Season 1, My Aged Valentine, and Gales and Dolls. In Season 2, he wrote Punky's Treehouse, Christmas Shop Lift, bleh, Christmas Shoplifting, Urban Fear, and Changes Part 2. He wrote two episodes of Silver Spoons, The Trouble with Grandfather, and Special Friend. So, you know, maybe Jim Evering and Dorothy... Um, what's her name? Dorothy Van. Maybe they kind of teamed up and put the story together. We have Christian Breckett Zika, who plays Mark Adams. Uh, looks like Miss Pikes probably is going to play Ricky's teacher, or Rick's teacher. I'm trying to get out of calling him Ricky and calling him Rick, because he's older. Oh, this kid was in Different Strokes in 84. Seasons, I have not even gotten to that yet. Night Court, he played a character named Jeremy. <laughs> he was in ten episodes of a show called Domestic Life. Okay. Uh, the Jeffersons, he played young Tom Willis. And then he was in some show called Police Woman as Harry for one episode. Alright, I want to thank some podcast listeners for the week. We have Westville, Oklahoma. Suffolk. Virginia, Citrus Heights, California, Suwanee, Georgia, Orangevale, California, Reno, Nevada, Park Hills, Missouri, Harriman, Utah, Bakersfield, California, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Plimpton, Australia, North Hollywood, California, Oakville, Canada, Sacramento, California, Waukegan, Illinois, Charleston, West Virginia, Catford, United Kingdom, 
Broomfield, Colorado, Simi Valley, California. Hey, that's where they filmed uh, Little House. That's cool. Hampshire, Illinois, Madrid, Spain, Oviedo, O-V-I-E-D-O, Florida, Albany, New York, Concord, California, Concord, California, Spain, which is, says Santa Cruz D, D-E, then it says T-E-N-E-R-I-F-E, Hartville, Ohio, Cheltenham, United Kingdom, Evergreen Park, Illinois, Halifax, Canada, B-E-L-O-I-T, Wisconsin, France, Rosny Sous, Voice, R-O-S-N-Y, hyphen, S-O-U-S, hyphen, B-O-I-S, St. Louis, Missouri, Lansdowne, Pennsylvania, Chicago, Illinois, and Salt Lake City, Utah. So, if you haven't done so yet, or if you're new to the podcast, and you'd like to find out how to follow the podcast, you can do so at Silver Spoons Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, it's going to be under the Punky Power PB Podcast, slash Silver Spoons Podcast on Twitter. Together we're going to find our way in unofficial Silver Spoons Podcast that is going to be on Facebook. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at silverspoonspodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's jump into this episode. From the title, Special Friend, and just from the synopsis saying this kid, Ricky's counseling someone who his attitude's worse than his grades, just seemed like, I'm going to go with, I think the kid's either dyslexic or he just never learned how to read. There was a Mr. Belvedere episode, and there was a Punky Brewster episode in season four called The Reading Game, I believe, where Cherry's cousin Paula didn't know how to read. So, maybe they did that here. It seemed like some storylines, some episodes, were similar storylines on Punky Brewster. So, yeah. Alright, let's find out. So, the episode opens in the living room, and we get a... Zoom in shot, a close-up shot of a stereo, one of those big stereos that's playing one of those, um, advice, you know, like Delilah from, um, one of the radio stations for easy listening, someone who's, like, giving advice to call-in members, and, of course, at first I thought, like, Ricky was listening to it, but... The camera pans outward, and we see that Kate is actually listening to it while she's pruning a plant that... I'm not sure what kind of plant that is, but it's got, like, long, like, stems, and I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just think that she probably shouldn't prune much more because there aren't that many leaves on this plant. Okay, seriously, there's a giant pile of... This tree must... Or this plant must have been something at one point because there is a pile at least six inches to a foot tall right next to where that pot is on that table. It's like... That's you're, There's not going to be anything left. There's like she's cut a giant branch off. Oh my god! That yeah. There's one stem left. Oh my goodness, Kate. What are you doing? She's angry about something. Whatever it is, it's like she's got deep rooted issues about something because oh yep, she goes with the clippers. That plant is gone. It's dead. She killed that plant. Peace. 
by piece. It's all now on a paper towel on that table. I'm going to play this clip. Ricky and Alfonso... Rick and Alfonso walk in the door from school, and right away, Rick's like, Kate, what happened to that plant? Oh, they got a little candy machine right in the, uh, the archway there. Oh, that's so cool. I had a friend in, like, first or second grade that had a gumball machine. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Because I didn't know anybody that had their own little gumball machine. Yeah, really. I'm sure it wasn't. Well, our time is up. If you have any problems, be sure to have them this time tomorrow. <laughs> Remember, life isn't so complicated if you just live it. You like listening to Dr. Scott? Dr. Oh, I think Scott. it's a very entertaining program. Psychology isn't supposed to be entertaining. It's serious stuff. You cannot give easy answers to complex problems in between commercials for pantyhose. I had no idea you had such strong feelings about this, Rick. Ever since he joined that peer counseling program, he analyzes everything anyone says. I do not. Alfonso, have you considered you might be a little jealous? Think about it. Rick, what is this peer counseling? Well, it's this special class where I've been trained to help other kids having problems. We call them special friends. Oh, well, sounds like a very valuable program. For example, one of my cases involved a child who was afraid to undress in the locker room for gym class. Oh, that's a tough problem. Tough? Not really. I simply suggest that while he was worrying about other kids watching him, they were all worried about him watching them. That's very clever. Clever? Not really. Okay, seriously, Rick, stop. It comes from weeks of experience. And tomorrow it's on to my next case. Well, I've got to go. I'm going to try to find a girl whose problem is loneliness. And solve. So, Rick mentions that he's joined, well, actually, Alfonso is the one that drops the ball on Rick being a peer counselor, because Rick makes it a point like, oh, you like listening to Dr. Skate, Dr. Skate, <laughs> Dr. Scott, and Kate's like, yeah, you know, I find it entertaining, and of course, we find out that Rick, whatever comes out of someone's mouth, he has to overanalyze the point of no one's going to want to talk around him because he's going to see about a solution to everything or say what's wrong, what problem you have and everything. Like, you're overanalyzing. That's not healthy, Rick. I think someone needs to diagnose you. So he's, he tells Kate, like, Kate, I can't believe you find this entertainment, this woman's trying to help people and you're you're finding it entertaining for some reason like it's really serious stuff and okay so what the peer group counselors call their um clients are special friends 
And Rick mentions how one case he had was about a young um, adolescent his age that had issues in the locker room, you know, changing in the locker room. Um, I only had to do that, you know, for gym class in junior high and high school. I never, I one time took a shower and, was that high school or junior high? But then no one else, the showers were there, but no one else was really using them either. So it's like, I only did it the one time. And I, I mean, I did feel embarrassed. I mean, I'm, I'm like walking around with nothing on in a locker room. And I mean, I felt self-conscious about my body too. Because you had to bring a change of clothes. You didn't, I didn't wear a uniformed t-shirt by the school or anything like that. So, so Rick kind of tells the kid, look, I know that you're worried about what other people are thinking when you undress, but think about this. I think they're more worried about what you think of them undressing or something, and apparently it solved his problem. That seemed like an easy fix. But it sounds like Rick's going to have a tougher case. I swear, I bet anything it's going to do with this kid being illiterate. I bet anything it's going to come to that. So Alfonso says, I'm going to find a girl whose problem is loneliness and solve it. And he leaves. Edward finally comes out from around the corner, probably from the kitchen. We haven't seen the kitchen yet. I'm hoping we get to see it in season four. We should. Season four or season five. We should see the kitchen. Because the only sets they seem to have are the library, which we really don't see the, the, the library that often here. We see a lot of the living room and we see uh, on occasion we see see Rick's bedroom but that's about it I'd say like maybe 85% shots are gonna be in the living room unless they have another set for like maybe we'll see the counseling center where Rick goes oh, wait, wait a second wait a second Kate I think I got it no yeah. Stupid thing, I can't figure it out. What it's not a Rubik's Cube. Oh, my Eastern European buyer found this in Leningrad. It's a Russian answer to Rubik's Cube. Oh. It's called Ivanovich's mm. Pridmyet Katori Spy Jot Svas Suma. What does that mean? Roughly translated means object that makes you insane. <laughs> Big fad in Russia. You could sell it here and call it the Communist Block. <laughs> Did she just get that joke? Uh, eh? So Edward comes in, he's trying to figure out this uh, Russian... Um, it's basically like a Russian version of a Rubik's Cube. And... Of course, Rick makes a joke about, you could call it the... Oh, Rick says you could sell it here in America and call it the communist block. I get it, it was the 80s. I really didn't know anything about the whole uh, Russia-slash-U.S. competition that went on. So, of course, Edward finds that funny. And then, two or three beats later, Kate, like, just gets it and starts laughing, and they kind of look at her like, a little late to the party on this joke, aren't you, Kate? <laughs> okay, looks like we're going to move to the peer counseling set. 
We have a sign that says peer counseling. One, helps student develop self-confidence. Two, helps integrate student into peer group. Three, helps student cope with problems. Four, helps student attain feeling of self-esteem. Five, helps student relate to other problems. Okay. Okay, so Miss Pikes is actually the like a guidance counselor, someone who's in charge of the peer counseling. Uh, she lets Rick know about his next case. Mark Adams is somebody who's having a hard time adjusting to junior high. Okay, so the boy is in junior high. Rick's in high school, okay? So are they shuttling this kid over from the junior high to the high school to get peer counseling? I mean, it's probably cheaper than paying an actual therapist, which will be very expensive. And Miss Pikes kind of tells Rick a little bit about Mark's situation. He doesn't seem to get along with the other children. Lately, he's been cutting classes. Okay, my guess is I think that this kid is illiterate. The fact that he doesn't get along with other kids... He's cutting class. So, I mean, I honestly, I think this is going in the right direction of what I'm thinking. I bet anything. And even in the synopsis, now that I think about it, the kid's attitude is worse than his grades. So his, his grades are down. So, yeah, he's got to be, like, he probably has either dyslexia or he probably cannot read. So Rick, of course, is leaning far back in his chair to the point where he's got to try to correct himself or he's going to land on his butt. And the teacher, uh, Miss Pikes, is just kind of watching this and trying to hide her smile. Like, oh, this boy, trying to be clever. I bet if she were a young teenager like Rick's age, she would totally be into him. So she tells Rick that she's chosen him to be his special friend. And because Rick's got such a great track record with the other kids that he's helped so far, though, so that's why she's kind of chosen him. And she does let Rick know Mark is going to be a challenge. He's pretty much rejected everyone who's tried to help him. Of course, to Rick, this is no big deal. It's like, hey, the tougher the better. He wants, he's up for a challenge. Rick refers to himself as a troubled bridge. No, <laughs> I mean a bridge over troubled waters. And the uh, and Miss Pugs kind of looks at him like, okay. And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm working on humility. <laughs> and she does actually have to remind him. It's like, I want to remind you, Rick, that you're not a psychologist. Because I honestly kind of think, the fact that he was overanalyzing everything that was coming out of Kate and Alfonso's mouth in an accusatory way. It's like, yeah, you're not a psychologist. No one's going to pay money to have you listen to their problems. And this is just high school. You're handling high school and junior high problems. Not that kids don't have big problems. But, man, can you imagine, like, he's not in the same league as, like, what problems adults have. So she says, look, the best thing you can do for him, for Mark, is just be his friend. Listen to him and try to put yourself in his shoes. So she tells him, look, you'll meet with him a few times, and then we'll regroup and kind of discuss how things are going between you and him. So really it's like, don't try to solve his problem. Just come out, be a friend, and just listen to him. Don't talk yourself. Don't feel the need to give advice right away. Just try to see if he'll open up to you. Because the minute someone probably tried to give him advice, he's probably like, look, I don't want advice. I don't want you to help solve my problem. Just leave me alone. 
I'm gonna play this clip. The boy you're about to meet is named Mark Adams. He's in junior high. He doesn't seem to get along with the other children, and lately he's been cutting classes. Well, we'll see what we can do, Miss Bikes. <laughs> Rick. Rick, I've chosen you to be Mark's special friend because you've done so well with the kids you've worked with so far. But Mark may be a challenge. He's rejected everyone who tries to talk to him. Hey, the tougher the better. After all, I like to think of myself as a human bridge over troubled waters. <coughs> I know I'm, I'm working on humility. <coughs> Rick, I want to remind you, as you've learned in this program, you are not a psychologist. The best thing you can do for Mark is to be his friend. Listen to him and try to put yourself in his shoes. Right. All right. After you meet with Mark a few times, we'll get together and discuss how things are going. Okay. Mark? Mark Adams? This is Rick Stratton. Hiya, Mark! Hi. Well, welcome to Peer Council. Now, don't be scared by those words. All it means is we're going to get to know each other and talk a lot. Now, this can be a lot of fun, so feel free to say whatever's on your mind. Really? Absolutely. Okay. I was just thinking. I thought high school kids were taller. <laughs> I see you're going through a girl's skirt, Rick. Keep your composure. So, anything else on your mind? <laughs> So Miss Pikes has Mark come into the room. Right away, the kid's dressed in khakis. He's dressed in a nice burgundy sweater. And he's got a, um, well, it looks like um, a plaid um, button-up shirt underneath. And wearing glasses. He looks like a kid. And I'm not trying to stereotype him. I'm not saying, oh, this kid looks like a nerd. He looks like a brainiac, but he just looks, you know, like a well-to-do kid. So, I mean, when I thought, okay, this Mark kid, I I didn't, just because he's cutting class and everything, not getting along with people, maybe he just doesn't fit in with his interests. He doesn't fit into that, that mold. Like, maybe he's trying to carve out his own path. So he goes in there, and right away, of course, he insults Rick's height. Like, oh, can I ask you a question? And Rick's like, sure. I thought high schoolers were supposed to be taller. And Rick is like, <sighs> and I'm like, buddy, you are a peer counselor. You have to keep your composure. You gotta, you keep, don't let your temper get the best of you. Which, Rick really isn't known for having a temper, but then again, I mean, I doubt the other kids that he's counseled had come in right away and just insulted his height. I know there's another episode where somebody either made fun of his height and he didn't like it or just called him shorty or something. But I was like, you see, you're going through a growth spurt, man. You're 14. You still got a couple years to get that, you know, height advantage. 
So he and Mark kind of sit down now, and I'm going to play this clip here and just see how things see how things develop. I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't know. The fact that he's cutting class, like I said, I still feel like either he can't read or he's just dyslexic. I don't think it's just going to be as cut and dry as, oh, because he's a intellectual, he has difficulty making friends. It's like, this seems like this could go in a good direction with him really having a type of problem that Ricky feels that he cannot just up and solve and fix. So, we'll see. up a wall when Rick says, like, oh, um, what's your favorite music group? And he mentions, like, some instrumentalist. And Rick mentions about, a you know, a computer. He um, came up with some term called garbage in, garbage out. Like, you know, I can only do this if we're going to actually communicate, you know? I mean, you got to give me something that I can work with, otherwise you're wasting my time. And I'm wasting your time. And I could be helping somebody else who actually might need it or want it. So as soon as Rick lets it slip, like, yeah, uh, that term came from my computer. Boom! Light bulb on the kid. Mark is like, like, oh, you like computers. And it's, like, really awesome. Now they got a thing that they can, you know, work with. Speaking of computers, <laughs> this thing is, like... It's rectangle-wise. There's no... If there is a screen in this thing, it's very, very small. So, yeah, that's really awesome. They found some common ground they can actually work with here. So, I mean, is this all that is? The kid just really hates the universe, and he's not a... You know, if teachers and, you know, kids would disappear, it'd make life a lot easier for me. I think maybe it's because... You know, he can, he can read and everything like this. It's fine. It's just I think he's a bit on the antisocial side where, like, he doesn't really 
the things he's interested in, most kids probably aren't interested in. So there's kind of a an interest barrier there. So, because it seemed like back in the 80s, like, oh, you like computers? Gross. Like, uh, computers, even though this is 1985, computers, they did not know then just how big that was going to get. I mean, they would know that you can have a computer basically in the back pocket of your pants in like 30 years from then. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. It's pretty cool just how far we've come with this. Hey, I can pause it. Yeah, Jeremy actually gave me a couple of Oreos. Um, there's the limited edition ones, the Oreos with the um, Baskin-Robbins mint chocolate chip. They're really, really good. Actually, even though it's got, like, the sealable, the bag has a sealable top, we still have to put it in a Ziploc bag because otherwise, with it being hot and everything, those things can get still like that. Like, you leave it out, even if you seal it the next day, they're going to start to feel, like, soft and, like, not good anymore so all right rick and mark are in his room hanging out on the computer doing computer things having a fun time so far so you know honestly i'm saying maybe i could be wrong that maybe it's just an interest barrier with you know he likes computers and classical music and stuff and no one else and maybe it's you know because he does dress mark does dress up a little bit like buttoned up and everything like that but at least he and Rick are finding a common ground but why do I get the I get a feeling like maybe this is not gonna last very long like they have this one interest but I think Rick could push it a little too far and try to diagnose Mark's issues and then he's just gonna put that wall back up again This is going to be the next day because um, Mark is wearing more like a blue turtleneck instead of that burgundy colored sweater with the um, the plaid uh, button down shirt, you know, collar underneath. So, all right, I want to check and see how this computer sesh goes. Yourself? Yeah, it's based on my personal experience cutting class. <laughs> I call it escape from junior high. <laughs> yeah, we've almost escaped. Oh, oh, oh what, what's that? Oh, the hall monitor. Stop. Where's your hall pass? <laughs> Close one. Now, I've successfully ditched school, and all I have to do is, whoa, the vice principal. <laughs> I think I can outrun him. Come back here. <laughs> two weeks and already my biggest success story? Miss Pike says your grades are coming up and you haven't did school once. I'm home free. <laughs> so according to Rick, it's been two weeks since he and Mark met and they've been working together. And Ricky says, hey, Mark, you're my latest, greatest success story because you haven't ditched school once and your grades are coming up. And it's kind of cool that Mark created this game where you got to, like, try to ditch school by avoiding the hall monitor and the vice principal. Like, that's awesome. I just wish, honestly, that it could have been more than the kid just wanting someone to relate to. 
to help his grades go back up and not ditch school. All right, now we're in the we're in the living room. Not sure what Kate was doing on a ladder. Looks like she might have a flashlight. Edward's still trying his hand at the Russian um, Rubik's Cube and still having no luck. Oh, she's got a hammer, not a flashlight. What was she? She might have been hanging a picture. Oh, she must have been because she was adjusting that picture that's over the fireplace. I thought you gave up on that thing. I merely put it away for a week to let my subconscious work on it. Give me that. Oh. What are you doing? My subconscious tells me to kill it. <laughs> you can't kill an inanimate object. Oh. In that case, I'm going to seriously <clears throat> injure it. Hi, Dad. <laughs> Hi, Mark. How are you? Oh, fine, Mrs. Stratton. Oh, good. What's this? Oh, he's oh, gonna solve it in a heartbeat. Thing from Russia. Some overly complex adult toy, which. There you go. Simple, simple. Yeah, he was gonna solve it right away. Flawed, flawed, you, Mark. <laughs> Just solve. Here you go, have fun. Thanks. We're going to the computer store for a few minutes, Dad, okay? Okay, guys. Bye. Bye. Your dad's a pretty neat guy. He reminds me of my dad. He likes taking me to fun places, too, like camping or basketball. Or we'll go out on his boat. I'd like to meet your dad. Sure, but he's on the road a lot. I can't believe, so Edward was going to smash that prototype, that Russian version of a Rubik's Cube, because he couldn't solve it after a week. He was going to take a hammer to it. Mark and Rick come down, and Mark right away, of course he's going to solve it. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Stratton, here, let me, I ruined your fun. And, and Edward's like, nothing. And, of course, it's like, here you go, have fun with that. So, Rick and Mark are going to head to the computer store. And, of course, Mark kind of, before they go, Mark mentioned something about his dad used to take him out on his boat and this and that. So, is this an underlying thing? Like, okay, maybe Mark has issues with his father. Maybe Because he said his dad is on the road a lot, so maybe he could be skipping school to get attention from his dad. Or maybe his grades are suffering because he wants attention from his dad. There's a, a ring at the doorbell. It's Alfonso. Is he going to the computer store with them? Alfonso doesn't seem like he's big on the computer thing. But then again, we haven't seen him and Rick like work on a, on a computer game together yet. They haven't, you know. They're not. Alfonso likes to dance and go out with the ladies. We don't. Other than those facets and the fact that. Alfonso's parents are, I guess, I can't remember, like, are they divorced or is his dad passed away? Because he lived with his mom. So I can't remember. I know he, like, traveled a bit with his mom and stuff like that. And I think later on in the season four episode with Whitney Houston, I think it's called Head Over Heels, where Whitney Houston guest stars and Dexter falls in love with her. And then Dexter's all in a hurry to move into her place with Alfonso. Alfonso mentioned something about, you know, his mom abandoning him and his dad either not wanting him or something like that. Or maybe his dad passed on or something. But, um, 
I kind of wonder now if we're switching gears with Mark and it is due to he's acting out because he wants his dad's attention because his dad's away all the time. He doesn't say anything about his mom yet, so I don't know. Maybe it could be going in a different direction. Maybe it's not as cut and dry as I thought. Hey, Rick. <laughs> what if they would play a little one-on-one on the playground? Oh, he likes to play basketball? Sorry, we were just going to that new computer store, Floppy Joe's. Floppy Joe's? Uh, can you Oh, come on, Alfonso. Don't be a jerk. Hey, Rick, the guys and I never see you anymore. You always hang around that nerdy kid. What a jerk! I to spend time with him. He's my special friend. Dang it, Alfonso. What am I? Laundry lint? What a jerk! Alfonso, this kid needs me. He's not my friend. He's my client. Are you kidding me, Rick? take Wednesday off for golf. You can take it off for miniature golf. Alfonso, you seem to be having a hard time coping with the fact that I'm involved in some very important work. Fine, great. There's a lot of guys who like to play basketball. Then go find Get them. Out. Good, good, go with that. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with it right out the door. Get out of here. Alfonso! What a jerk. Clear case of separation anxiety. <laughs> Okay, I cannot believe Alfonso. I'm so angry with him. You heard me call him a jerk many, many times during this clip. I couldn't stand it. He's angry because Rick won't play basketball with him and his friends, and he calls Mark a nerd. Where do you get off, Alfonso? Seriously. And the fact that I'm wondering if Mark heard that Rick said, he's not my friend, he's my client. This is work. This is basically a job. And I'm, I bet anything Mark might have heard that, and he's going to throw that in Rick's face shortly. Oh, I like the name of the um, the computer store, Floppy Joe's. I thought that was cute. But Alfonso's like, I'm going to leave. And I'm like, go, leave. Go find other friends to play basketball with. Because he says that he and other their other playmates haven't seen Rick because he's been wrapped up with Mark for the last couple weeks. It's like, you know what? Let it go. So I'm interested now to see where this is going to turn. I bet anything Mark did overhear what Alfonso said. Come in. <laughs> Son, you about ready for school? Yeah, almost. You and Alfonso patch things up? No. Alfonso's just going to have to deal with his... I don't want to be too technical. His own insecurities. You know, Alfonso's your best friend. Don't you think maybe you're being a little insensitive to his feelings? Excuse me? He can handle it. I see, and if he can't, he can hang around with you and you'll fix him, right? Dad, I have a gift. That's not a gift, Rick. And I have to use it. Son, I think it's great that you're interested in psychology and that you want to help people, but you think you might be getting... I don't want to be too technical here... A swelled head? A swelled head? Not really. Dad, when I first met Mark, he was a mess. Now he's getting along with other kids and he doesn't ditch school anymore. I see. I've turned his life around. Okay, you're not a miracle worker.
So it looks like it's the morning before school, and Edward comes up and says, Hey, you about ready? Rick says, Yeah, just about. And he asks Alfonso, or he asks if Rick and Alfonso, like, made up and worked things out. Like, hey, has he called you? Has he talked to you? Rick's like, no, he hasn't. Alfonso's got his own insecurities. I don't want to really have to deal with that right now. So Edward says, Alfonso's your best friend. Don't you think you're being a little insensitive to his feelings? I mean, the only way I can come at this is to say that maybe Rick prioritizes his time with Mark and his time with Alfonso. But then Alfonso probably comes along like, oh, great that you can fit me in when you can. It's like, come on. And the fact that Rick calls what he has with the peer counseling a gift. I'm like, Rick, you're not the miracle worker, okay? You're just, have something that you're doing. You're good with other kids. But to call it a gift? Give me a break. Get off your high horse, bud. I kind of understand where Edward is coming from with this whole thing. Like, hey, son, I know you're interested in psychology. That's great and all. I'm not trying to put you down. But don't you think you're getting a swelled head? Because Rick's like, I got a gift. I have to use this gift. Like, you really don't. And don't call it a gift. The woman who helped Helen Keller learn how to talk, even though she was blind and deaf, that's a gift. That's the miracle worker. Rick, you're not the miracle worker. You know, I'm not trying to put him down, but it's just his, he's so focused on this that I guess maybe he, his friends do feel like he's be alienating him, them a little much when he's putting his sole focus and efforts and everything into the peer counseling. Of course... Rick says to his dad, when I first met Mark, he was a complete mess. He, now he's finally getting along with other kids, and he's not ditching school. Of course, when Rick and Edward leave his bedroom, we have not seen someone come up to uh, that window in a bit since I think the whole thing with Rick's curfew. So my guess is... Mark is now ditching school again. I'm going to say that it's probably either because of his father or it's because of what Rick said about not being his friend. So something's going on, and I think it's going to be one of two things. He's got a backpack, Mark does. He's got a ladder. He's got his backpack. Is he planning on staying for the day and just ditching school and hanging out in Rick's room? Like Somebody's not going to notice. He wants to play his computer game. Great. I'm looking at Mark's glasses. Does he have tape in between uh, the bridge of the, the nose area? Okay, he's writing something. What is he writing? Is he going to run away and he's just letting Rick know? Like, hey, thanks for your help. Even though I heard you call me not a friend, so I'm leaving. I'm running away. Because he doesn't look happy that he, when he's writing this. This kid, I don't think, has smiled. He's maybe smiled once when he found out Rick was into computers, too. Alright, looks like Rick came home from school. His bed is a mess. He doesn't have that race car bed. He kind of grew out of that, thank goodness. Mark was sleeping in Rick's bed. Because Rick comes in, goes to sit down on his bed. And he sits right on Mark's feet. And, of course, Rick had, like... Falls to the floor like, what are you doing, man? 
What are you doing in my bed? Why are you here? Because if you think about it, Rick's in high school. And Mark goes to junior high. So there's no way that Rick would have known that Mark would have been there. that Mark wouldn't skip school. And Mark broke that pact. Like, you've been here all day? Are you serious, Mark? You can't just come and go to school when you want. Mark's like, well, that's gratitude for you because I got this playbook of... I'm guessing the Cosmos is like a computer game or something. So what, did they get like a, a cheat sheet or something because they got he Mark was able to find an access code which he was searching around... Um, I don't even know if the internet wasn't even around then. So what was he, how was, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about searching for stuff like that. So this is a playbook of the cosmos, which I guess, like I said, is a computer game. And Ricky's like, you did something illegal. I was like, whatever. Like it wasn't illegal when you and uh, Arnold from Different Strokes went and found that uh, bl blueprint for some jet or something that was supposed to be top secret. Yeah, that's a pot calling the kettle black, I think, Rick. The fact that Ricky's like, Rick's like, what am I going to do with you? So just because you got me some playbook for the cosmos doesn't give you the right to just ditch school and go whenever you feel like. And the fact that he's like, what am I going to do with you? Rick, you're not his parent, okay? You let his parent deal with that. You are just a pure counselor. This isn't like a class or anything. You're not going to fail. 
I know he's got a great track record at helping students, but I think what's going on with Mark runs a little bit deeper than computer programs and making sure that he goes to school and gets along with friends. And Mark, before he leaves, says something about how I wish you were more like a computer. That way I can just turn you on when I need you and then turn you off when I'm done with you. And, of course, Rick's like, well, I'm not a computer. People aren't computers. They have feelings and emotions and feel things and everything. Before Mark walks out Rick's bedroom door, he looks back at him and says there's a high percentage of psychiatrists that end up having nervous breakdowns. Now we go down to the living room where Kate has taken up painting and Edward's going to be a model for her. Oh, now, come on. No excuses. Let's see it. Oh, that looks like some Picasso stuff. I didn't move that much. So remember to buy Sanchez pantyhose for the well-adjusted look. We have time for one last quick call. You know, we should hang this in the library. <laughs> Hello, this is Dr. Scott. cool. I mean, Kate said Edward moved around a lot, so that's why uh, it looks so way He's got like three noses, and his face is like um, looking straight, looking to the side, and then looking to the side. Um, Edward says, let's go put it up in the library. They head that way. Of course, Kate's got that Dr. Scott um, radio program playing, and they hear Rick calling in. And he mentions about how he is a fellow psychiatrist or, or something and says that one of his clients is skipping school. Like he thought he helped him. Now he's back to skipping school and everything. And I like the therapist's quick um, solution is you cannot, basically you can't run someone else's life. A lot of things are, are going to be out of your control. You can't control somebody. Their decisions are their own to make. So, uh, and Rick mentions how he feels like a failure. It's like, not everything is so cut and dry and buttoned up in a quick solution. It's not like that. You can guide a person, but ultimately, the decisions they make are going to be of their own accord. You can give them advice. It's up to them whether or not they're going to take it. And Rick needs to realize that sometimes things are out of your hands. You've got to let people live their own life. I mean, he was a chastising Mark like he was his father. Like, what am I going to do with you? You're cutting class. It's like, you're not his parent, Rick. You are a peer counselor. That is all you are. I mean, you're not even that boy's friend. You even told Alfonso that. And he just looks at him like Mark's a client and nothing more. No, I asked 
ask me over here. You do? Yeah. You're gonna tell me you're gonna fire me as your friend. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I know. You're gonna ball me out again. I wasn't gonna do that either. You didn't tell the people at school what I did. I would never do that. Well, then why don't you ask me over? I asked you over here because I wanted to try and work this out and remain friends. <laughs> That's a heck of a way to talk to a friend. <laughs> you know what I think, Mark? I think you've been trying to fake your way through this. Okay, I'll admit it. I've been trying to charm you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> sure, Rick, I'm going to school. Sure, Rick, I'm thinking of saying hello to people. Baloney, you haven't tried to change one bit. Well, what about you? You've been pretending to be nice to me. Good, good. Go with that. <laughs> Who do you think you are, anyway? The magic prince of mental health? I've given up a lot of time to help you. Yeah, and I bet you felt so good about that. Helped a little buddy with his little problem. It was so easy, right? Everything comes easy for Rick Stratton. Nice house, terrific father. <laughs> I bet at night he walks in and tucks you in. Well, we did differently in my house. At night, my father staggers around, passes out, and I tuck him in. Holy shit. Now, go with that. What? My father's a drunk. An alky, a boozer, a first-class, grade-A alcoholic. I had no idea. Neither did I. You acted I. like you knew it all. You don't know anything about me. You told me all those terrific things about your dad. They were lies. I was here for you. Why didn't you tell me? I'm telling you now. What do you suggest? <laughs> okay, well, what, what you should do is... You could call... I don't know what to tell you. Because I'm out of my league on this one. I've only had one course in peer counseling. Better talk this over Miss Pikes. You're right. I'm not the magic prince of mental health. Don't feel bad. You did the best job you could. Sure. I never told anyone the truth about my father before. And, and that's a big help. But I don't know what you should do. Well, one day on my computer, I uh, tapped into this community bulletin board. There is this uh, um, notice about this organization called Alateen. It's this group for kids whose parents are alcoholics. Maybe I'll check it out. But, but I don't need you for that stuff. What do you need me for? Well, just to be my friend. Minus the lectures would be nice too, Rick. So, uh, yeah, that reveal... Did not see that one coming at all. I did not see that. That got dark. So I'm trying to figure out what happened. So Mark comes over because Rick asks him, but he says something like, why did you tell everyone at my school what I did? You mean like what? You, uh, a counselor or the principal? Like, oh, by the way, Mark skipped school. So I've heard the term you know, balling me out or to ball someone out. I actually heard that term in um, the Look Who's Talking 2 movie. John Travolta said it. 
Um, let's see. Let's see here. Basically, Urban Dictionary to cuss someone out and tear their blank down. So, uh, tear their crap down. Okay, well, I figure it's something like that. So, Rick kind of, he does call out Mark. Like, I think you've been uh, trying to just... You've been playing me the whole time. You've been lying, basically. Well, all of this just trying to make nice and look good for, like, we're actually getting along. Like, you know, he's not being honest. It's like, he's painting this picture of... Yeah, I mean, clearly, yeah, the boy's into computers and everything like that. And his dad, at one point, he said his dad is on the road with his job, so... Because he really, like, takes a look at... Yo, know, Rick's life, nice big house, a father who tucks you in at night, which he probably doesn't do that that much anymore because, you know, Rick's a teenager. But the minute that Mark said, my dad's a drunk, and I'm usually the one that's tucking him in at night after he stumbles around and falls. So in a way, I kind of get that Mark is reserved, that he keeps that life that private life about himself hidden. He doesn't really delve in. But the way that this boy carries himself, he carries, I mean, this boy is probably 12, right? He carries himself like he's a full-fledged adult, like, in their late 20s. Like, they've lived, this boy clearly has lived a hard life. And his actions, his father's actions have caused him to grow up a little faster don't hear anything about his mom. She's either dead or she moved on. Sucks. I mean, you know, I mean, whatever happened to his mom, the situation is more than, you know, the, the term sucks is not the appropriate word for this. This is just absolutely, this is horrible. This boy is such a sweet boy, but he's so guarded because he feels he has to be. He doesn't want everyone knowing his business and what his home life is like. So he paints the picture of, I'm just having issues with, you know, you know, I'm skipping. He's probably skipping school to help his dad out, would be my guess. And he's probably having issues in school because he's having to help his dad, so he probably doesn't have time to do the homework, would be my guess, too. But... Rick and Mark agree to, you know, just be friends. It's like, yeah, you can be friends, Rick. You don't have to analyze his situation. No one wants a friend like that that's gonna, like, look at your situation and tell you what you should be doing and what you're doing wrong. So this kid's like, yeah, my father's a drunk, an elky, a boozer. He's listing all these slang terms for what his father is. This kid just seems so wise beyond his years because he's had to grow up. I, I mean, we don't know how long that his dad's been dealing with this, but he did find an organization Mark did on the computer for, it's like Alateen, which is like for teenagers that have parents that are um, alcoholics and stuff like that. So, first, a first class grade A alcoholic. I mean, they dropped this bomb. I kind of kept wondering. It's like, it just felt like that can't be all that it is. It's the episode is special friend because that's what Brick says they call their quote-unquote clients in the peer counseling group. It's like, yeah, this can't, just him skipping school and having issues fitting in can't be 
the problem. I kept waiting, like, something else. It has to be something else. At first, I thought it was illiteracy. I thought it was dyslexia. I didn't think child abuse. I didn't think neglect. I surely didn't think that his father was an alcoholic. And it reminds me of this season two episode, Spare the Rod. I mean, this kid isn't getting abused by his father from what we can see. But then again, we don't know. He says his dad stumbles around and falls and passes out. And then he basically puts his dad to bed. Nowhere does he say, my dad hits me or my dad screams at me and slaps me in the face or anything like that. I like how, yeah, Mark is really putting Rick in his place. Like you act like you acted like you knew it all. Like, you could help me. And it's like, you don't know anything about me. You only know what I made up for you to know. I painted this picture for you, and you bought it hook, line, and sinker. Rick was just looking for the easy fix problem. And sometimes, Rick, it's like, you gotta read between the lines. He really, really does. Even with that Spare the Rod episode, it's like... Rick didn't realize that his dad was, or that um, Toby's dad was abusing him until he saw the bruises. Even the whole story about the whole, I broke my arm saving a cat from a tree or something, or like hopping on a fence and like trying to walk the fence and then biting the sidewalk. So he's probably had conversations with Mark that we're not even privy to would be my guess. About, he's like, oh, you told me all these great things about your dad. The only thing we heard about his dad that was on screen was that his dad is, like, on the road a lot. So, like, he's a truck driver or something to that effect. So, and Ricky's like, Rick's like, why didn't you tell me? And Mark's like, I'm telling you now. What do you suggest? It's almost like, here, Mr. Wizard, help me with this solution. I want to see what you come up with. And Rick's like, well, you can uh, call, um... Uh, and he's like at a lost words. He's like, I don't know what to tell you to do. It's like, yeah, this problem is too big for you to solve. And luckily, Mark kind of knows in what direction to look for help. And Mark reveals, like, look, I never told anything anybody about my dad before. I mean, that's a big help. You were able to eventually get that out of me. Okay, so he tapped, Mark tapped into a community bulletin board while he was on his computer, so, um, like, this is 1985, I, I was only three years old, I was actually, when this aired, I was, like, maybe almost two and a half, <laughs> so I really didn't know what computers had as far as pre-internet information, but this kid's really smart. He knows how to get into things so on the computer. So, And I, I get that Rick doesn't know what to do. It's like, buddy, that's not up for you to solve his problem. And Mark says, I can pretty much take it for, from here. I really don't need you to, you know, carry me through this process. Because Mark's already been going through this himself. And Rick feels at a loss for words. He's like, well, what do you need me for? And Mark's like, to be my friend, that's all. It's like, yeah. Just, just, but, but be his friend. Don't try to analyze his issues. So in what looks like the final scene of the episode, Rick and Alfonso are getting ready to play some basketball. Alfonso's like, hey, we can go to the hangout afterwards. It's been a while since you've been there. 
So Rick says, I learned something about myself through this peer counseling. I learned that I really don't have all the answers, and I'm not that, you know, great. And, of course, uh, he says he's going to still see Mark on occasion, but they're going to be friends. I'm not going to try to solve all his problems for him, which, good, good. I like that he came to that realization. So I'm going to play this clip. Also, Kate's like, I'm glad to see you guys are hanging out again. Edward comes out of the library in a really, oh, my gosh, I found the solution to the communist book. Good for you. That, if you even want to call that a plot B, which it doesn't really, I mean, that's the other thing that was going on this episode. And then Kate, like, tr basically tearing apart a plant and then her painting Edward. That was the pitiful plot B mixed in with the communist block Rubik's, Russian Rubik's Cube thing. Come on, Alfonso. Let's go play some one-on-one at the playground. Yeah. Maybe later we can drop by the hangout. Sure. It's been a while since you've been down there. Some of the old gang went on to college. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alfonso. I guess I got a little carried away, but I found something out about myself. It wasn't as brilliant as I thought I was. I could have told you that. <laughs> well, I'm still going to be seeing Mark, but I'm just not going to be solving all his problems. I'm glad to see you guys are friends again. You know, Dr. Scott says friendship is essential for comfort plus support. Or was that pantyhose? It came to me in a flash. The solution to the communist block. Come here, over here in the light. Now, you see? You hold it up like this. And then you throw that dumb thing as far as Seriously? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good. Good for you, Edward. He would come up with a solution to that thing. He's been playing around with that thing for like a month and never solved it. I would have just yeah, at like Mark, like, hey, can you fix this for me? Like, do what you did. That way I can say that I actually did it. Or even like say, like, hey, do you think you can show me how you did that? But no, he just like, I found the solution. And he chucks, he goes out on the patio, chucks it as far as he can. Like, bye, I'm done. And that's pretty much it. That's the episode. I thought it was good. I would definitely rate this one a 3 out of 5. I liked Mark. I like we finally got to the real, real issue, which, like I said, blew me out of the water. Um, as far as... That's, that's pretty much it. Just... I like that... Um, oh, I liked Miss Pikes. I thought she was a sweet lady. We only saw her for that one scene, but... And I honestly like how Mark put Rick in his place. I wasn't a fan of the whole Russian Rubik's Cube thing. It was really boring. Um, Alfonso being a jerk, calling Mark a nerd, and just being overall jealous. Like, oh, you're not hanging out with your friends anymore. Why are you doing that? Um, as far as for the silver spoonful for this episode, I'm just going to say... You can't fix all your friends' problems. You can offer friendly, unsolicited advice. They can take it or not take it. That's up to them. But don't feel like you have to fix somebody's problems for them. That is up to them. And don't 
And if somebody doesn't want to talk to, about something, don't badger them and push them until they explode and scream at you. That doesn't help the situation. They have a problem and they want your advice. They'll come to you and they'll ask. Like, hey, I have an issue. Can you help me with it? Or if someone wants to open up to you, don't feel the need like you have to give them advice. Like I said, just let them come to you. Alright, next week we got the final episode before the big wedding, which I've been waiting for for over two seasons. I'm excited and I'm ready for it. Um, of course, before we get to the big two-part wedding episode, we gotta get to season three, episode 15, What's Cooking, which aired on January 27th, 1985. Rick's suggestion for a Stratton Flour Mills promotion lands him a job at his grandfather's company. But we, oh, we do see Grandpa Stratton. This is Grandpa Stratton, when it seems like he's always referred to as Grandfather. So... Hey, Quinny, how you doing, babe? Hanging out on the kitchen counter where there's no room. Yeah, she's running from Lund, the little bun-bun who won't leave her alone. So, yeah, we um, got Jeremy a car, new car yesterday. And now it looks like we're in the market for a new stove. I really want to replace that dishwasher this fall, but now it looks like that's going to be put off till next year. And we have to get a new stove because for whatever reason, one of the dials is impossible to turn. And it looks like I'm going to be having brats for this week's lunch because I can at least use the burners. But I can't. I mean, you can use, like, the dial with the degrees on it, but it's a real pain in the butt. Like, you have to use, like, pliers or something. It's like, I'm not doing that. So, that's what's going on with me. Oh, yeah, since today is a uh, August 4th, my birthday's 20 days from now. But, six years ago today, Quinn, get out of the sink! I brought little Quinn home. She was about five weeks old at the time. No, that's a jar full of grease. You don't want to play with that, you crazy kitty. <laughs> it's not like she can get in the sink anyway. There's so many dishes in there, but, um, yeah. Uh, coming out this Friday is going to be the birthday-themed, another birthday-themed episode. That's the theme for the month of August. It's going to be... Crushed from season five. We focused in 13 Candles on DJ's birthday. We're going to be focusing on Stephanie next in Crushed. And then we'll focus on, let's see, uh, Uncle Jesse's birthday. Because John Stamos celebrates a birthday on August 19th. And then after that, we'll do Ramona's birthday from Fuller House. And then we will end the Summer Fun series with Fuller House... Season, Fuller House Season 2, Episode 1, Welcome Back, which is a back-to-school Labor Day and a summer barbecue. And then in September, I'm going to do the back-to-school episodes. Plenty of stuff to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. So everyone have a wonderful week. Jeremy and I got to test out the new car today. Well, he got to test it out. He drove it. I'm a little hesitant to drive it because, you know, it's a all these tech features and stuff. It's just overwhelming. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, we went up to the A&W 
and I got some corn dogs and some um, fries. And of course, I had root beer this time, finally at A&W, before I had like Diet Pepsi. But um, the way back, I was just really, really tired on the drive back. You know, I was like, oops. Mm. Um, uh, hour and a half drive, you know, there to A&W, and then back home again. And I was just so tired. I was like falling asleep. I don't even know why. And Jeremy's like, did those nuggets have... Uh, tryptophan in them, you know, like uh, Thanksgiving turkey. I'm like, I don't know what it was, but I came home, it was like 3 o'clock, and I'm like, I'm gonna go upstairs and go to bed, because, well, not go to bed, but take a nap, and I rarely ever take naps. It's just so, so sleepy. But, yeah, tonight for dinner we had, um, boneless, skinless, uh, chicken tenderloins that I put in, like, sour cream, and then I, like, rolled them in the cornflake crumbs and then I put those in the oven I think it was 425 was the temperature and then you put them for like 25 minutes and then I um the the corn the, the little corn niblets like the the mini corn on the cob I like have a little a smaller deep fryer and what I do with that is I put a little milk in a pan Put one egg, kind of like swirl around the yolk, so that way it has something, the um, the flour and stuff has something to cling to. So I roll it in that, and then I have um, flour, and then a little bit of seasoned salt, and some black pepper, which I found this recipe like a long time ago on the internet, and um, so you roll it in the milk, in the egg batter, or egg stuff. Then you roll it in the flour mixed with seasoned salt and black pepper. Put it in the deep fryer. I'm going to say maybe 10 minutes tops, but you can check it if you really want it nice and crispy. Like, just kind of check it and just, you know, make sure and everything like that. But it's really, really good. So that was our dinner tonight. So definitely, if you want to try it, go for it. I actually had four mini corns on the cob table, on, um, which is probably what the equivalent, like, two ears of corn, maybe. So, yeah. Also, um, I've been having lately um, their waffle bowls. I've been putting um, ice cream in it, and I've been getting, like, um, the little, like, sprinkle things to put on it, and I got, like, Smucker's um, caramel syrup, and also I just I had gotten the chocolate syrup, too. And then I got some of that, like, Ready Whip, like, spray stuff, which I haven't used that, but I'm going to. It's just, I've been into ice cream lately, which probably isn't the best thing to be having at, like, 11.30 at night, I know. But, um, it's good. <laughs> it's it's good. I've definitely been into that. Um, uh, what else? Oh, I started last week, season five of Different, so different Strokes, so... Really getting, really, I've, I've been working my way through that series since maybe March or April, so it's a good show. I, I like, you know, it's like I'm almost, I'm watching the characters kind of evolve a little bit. Um, Willis is still a hothead. There's an episode, I think it was the very last episode of season four of Different Strokes, where um, Kimberly's in ballet and Arnold wants to do it, but Willis is all like, no, don't you can't do ballet, you're a guy. And it's like, oh my gosh, they would be, today's generation with, um, 
you know, men and women not being any real lines of, oh, if a girl can do that, a guy should be able to without a problem and not be, you know, made fun of or, you know, like, oh, you must be this because you're into ballet. It's like, no, no. And I like how Drummond, uh, Philip Drummond, their adopted dad, actually does get on Willis's case <clears throat> from time to time, so... About you are really, oh, the only reason you're harping on Arnold is because you're more embarrassed and you're more worried about how that's going to make you look versus how it's going to make him look. So, this show is just, it's such an amazing show and I love it so much. The characters, and careful, Quinny, um, I like that I don't even read the synopsis, so when I watch the episodes, I'm basically kind of going into it not knowing what the episode's going to be about, so that way I'm surprised, which I kind of like, I like doing that. And of course, with these Silver Spoons episodes, I've never really watched these too much in reruns, so when I watch them, some, like, during the clip, some of my reactions is like, I did not see that coming, and stuff like that, and it's, it's fun, it's enjoyable, and, you know, like I said, I still, I love doing this, I'm having a fun time, um, I'm going to wrap up Season 3 of Silver Spoons uh, around the end of September. I have a Halloween-ish type episode from Season 3, a two-part Thanksgiving episode I'll do in November, and then in December there's a Christmas episode. And then I will be taking a break and coming back in March of 2020 with Season 4 of Silver Spoons. My goal is hopefully to be able to finish the Silver Spoons series around December of 2020. I know that's still like a year and two months away or three months away, but, and then I'll just probably continue with, with Full House and everything like that. So, all right. Well, it is currently 1044. I'm going to have Jeremy put some lotion on my feeties because I like to have smooth feet and probably be heading to Betty bed. So, um, yeah, one of the, uh, Books I recommended I put on Instagram and Twitter is I Kill the Mockingbird by Paul. The book is by Paul of Campora. I don't even sure if that's how you fully pronounce it. it. Might not be. Um, I believe I did mention I did finish Lizzie Flying Solo, which is a great book by Nancy Turner Stevenson. Um, I did buy another one of her books, which. I am planning to read <clears throat> sometime. Which one? Um, it was Swing Sideways, which I can read the synopsis for that real quick. Let's see. Perfect for fans of Bridge to Terabithia and Walk Two Moons. This debut middle grade novel is the story of two girls and the unforgettable summer in which they learn about true friendship and loss. Annie has been promised a summer of freedom in the country, freedom from a difficult school year, freedom from her fake friends back in the city, and most of all, freedom from her mom's life-governing spreadsheets and rigid schedules. When Annie meets California, I like that name, it's cute, who is visiting her grandfather's farm, it seems she has found the perfect partner for the summer she's always craved. Especially when California offers Annie a real-life Adventure. If she and Annie can find the ponies her mom rode as a girl, surely it will remind her mom how wonderful the farm is 
and fix what's broken between her mom and grandfather. But Annie's summer of freedom is sprinkled with secrets, and everything she has learned about bravery and love will be put to the test when the truth behind the ultimate secret changes her life forever. Wow, that is a lot. That is a wow. Um, there's also another book of hers called Georgia Rules, which looks cute, which I might um, look into that at some point. So, okay, everyone have a wonderful, wonderful week, and uh, yeah, let's enjoy this last month of summer that we got here. I got my birthday to look forward to. We're going to shop for hopefully a new stove. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, as much as I like summer, I'm kind of looking a little forward to fall. Mainly, like, the color of the leaves, not raking the leaves and banging them like we usually have to do. But, um, just the color, the feel of the air kind of changing from not too, too hot to a nice, cool, crisp, comfortable feeling, which, yeah. So, okay. Alright, everybody. I'll be back next Sunday with a new Silver Spoons episode, and I'll be back on Friday with a new Full House podcast episode. So have a great, great week. Bye-bye, everybody. Together.